Hello and welcome to the Baseball Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Castor. Here, as always, my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how are you doing? I'm good, Adam. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. Excited to talk about the AFC East. Very excited to talk about the AFC East. Very, 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 very excited. A little programming note. NFC South coming out on Sunday. Jake and I already did that. So that'll be in your inboxes Sunday morning. And um, yeah, we're less than pretty much at a month away until drafts are pretty much full swing. And uh, yeah. Oh, no, I'm ready to shit myself. I'm not ready. I am not ready. I don't want, I'm not ready for drafts. Well, I'm not ready, but drafts are always exciting. I mean, look, if someone said to me, I have to do a draft right now, of course I could pull a draft out of my ass, but I would rather wait until the calendar strikes September to draft. That's a free little tidbit for everyone out there. Don't do your drafts until September or at least, at least until August 28th, August 28th. Interesting. So the The last preseason game for all those that are concerned. When I was in uh, summer camp and my friends would always do their fantasy league. There was always a big argument every single year about when they should have their draft or when we should have our draft. The year always, that- always, always, always after the last preseason game. Always. I learned, I learned last year that we wanted, we want, we were doing drafts in the middle of August when there are preseason games still going on. And then you have JK Dobbins goes down with a torn ACL and everyone's scrambling for Gus Edwards. And it's just like, you have like a month still until the season starts. Like there could be, someone could stub a toe and the toe ends up being broken and they're out for six weeks. And there you go. There's your second round pick that stubbed his toe. Now it's broken and you're fucked. Also suspensions haven't been handed down Two notable True. cases in that True. fact. Yep. But I think when I, well, when I was younger, it was more of a balance of, do we want to do the draft in person versus because uh, camp was only a thing until mid August. So True. That's true. But anyway, yeah, having your draft, like the, the day that you have your draft is very important because you just don't, you want to be the most accurate that you can be when you're drafting players at that point. Well, I have drafts there before the 28th, but my serious home leagues, I'm not drafting until the, after the 28th. It makes sense. Yeah, not a chance. The ones, the ones that are worth significant money are not happening until after the 28th. <coughs> well, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, it just makes sense. But anyway, enough about that. Let's go into the AFC East. And I'm just, let's just rip the band, well, not even rip the bandaid off, because I'm actually kind of happy about or optimistic about the Jets this year. But, you know, let's just talk about the Jets because I know it's going to be the longest because that's the one that I know the most about for of all the AFC East teams. Um, I mean, Zach Wilson, you know. You're not really he's really spec he's more of a speculative ad in in drafts at this point. I also want to point out the Jets are not going to be the longest because they are the ones with the uh least appealing um fantasy prospects out of all in the division. I'm sorry, Adam, but outside of one guy, I'm not really interested in the New York Jets as like a fantasy option. But yeah. Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, he's a speculative ad in 12 and 14 team leagues. Of course, he'll be drafted in, in two quarterback. I have him as my uh, QB 23. And yeah, he's a guy with, with, with significant upside. Second year, maybe, you know, if you're looking to target 
some of the second-year guys. You're looking at Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones. Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence, to me, are the ones that you know jump off the page immediately as, as two guys that I would want to, uh, to, to be in on as far as the second-year guys that are coming back as starters. I mean, obviously, you have Trey Lance, who is the just apple of my eye. Um, but in terms of who I think has the most, has the most significant chance of being a top 15 option at the position, I would say Trevor Lawrence is one. And then, uh, Zach Wilson's probably two with Justin Fields, not far behind Mac Jones. We'll get to Mac Jones, but he doesn't really, um, in, he doesn't bring out much excitement in me, if I'm being completely honest. Well, Mac Jones is definitely a safe option. Too safe almost. Yeah. And not even like say he's not safe in the sense that you are like you're happy that you have him and like he's not going to screw you in weeks. Safe in this in the fact that like he would be a guy that if I didn't have a seething hatred for the Patriots, he would be a, the kind of guy that I would probably pick, just because he is a, he is a solid floor as like a backup, you know. He's the kind of guy that gets you to the playoffs but won't win you a championship. Yeah, because he doesn't – he just – yeah, he doesn't have the potential for those huge weeks. And I, I am interested in guys that will win me championships. Trey Lance is a guy that will win me a championship. Mac Jones is not winning me a championship. Yeah, and same, – Same thing with, like, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr. Those guys aren't winning me championships. Trey Lance can win me a championship. And if it doesn't work out with Trey Lance, it's the quarterback position. You can always flip-flop to a guy that will get you to the playoffs. Then you better hope that the rest of your roster is good enough to carry you the rest of the way. Quarter- quarterback, again, is, we say this all the time, it's the most interchangeable position in fantasy. You, you can you could draft the top with Josh Allen, and Josh Allen can miss time with an injury or something, and you can very easily replace Josh Allen. Not necessarily replace his production, but replace him with somebody that can get the job done. Yeah. I mean, quarterback has been as deep of a position as we've seen in years. I feel like. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. There are, there are about 25 guys that I would feel comfortable with drafting and I can feel can get me to the playoffs. And then there are about there are about fifteen that I would say that could win me a championship. So twenty five that can get me to the playoffs, fifteen that can win me a championship, which is a pretty good number. It's yeah, and that's pretty, more pretty decent number. That's more than enough for most league formats, also, because yeah. yeah. like max you're looking at is like fourteen team leagues. I mean, sixteen team leagues, eighteen team leagues, they exist, but like they're not as common. But like. If you have you're in a single quarterback league, you're gonna find a starter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it won't be hard. It won't be hard. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so then moving on to the running backs for the Jets, Brees Hall and Michael Carter. Is Brees Hall your one guy? Um, or is it Elijah Moore? No, no, it's not. It's not Brees Hall. I'm pretty low on Brees Hall. Uh, I have him at twenty three. I'm at 23. I don't know where the consensus is on Brees Hall, but I can guarantee that I'm lower than the consensus. I, I just don't want – I don't want a lot of stake in the Jets' running back situation when I know Michael Carter is going to be involved 
And I would probably rather take the swing on Michael Carter than spend a premium asset to get Brees Hall, where you're kind of hoping for a Michael Carter injury for Brees Hall to get the job to himself. And even then, I don't really know if Brees Hall is going to get the job to himself, given the San Francisco background of Michael Floor and Rob Sala that, quite frankly, like to use multiple running backs and have shown that they like to use multiple running backs. Yeah. So in fall, Brees Hall is a 20 on Fantasy Pros. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I am uh, I am definitely lower. Yeah. And I kind of see it because he's a rookie and um, Michael Carter is there. Michael Carter showed or show. Yeah. He showed flashes in his rookie year that he could be like, I think a lot of people heading into the draft were like, why do we pick Brees Hall? Michael Carter is the guy, but um, I mean, that's a discussion for another day. They want to have two running backs. Yeah. That's what that means. They, well, also, they want Michael, to have two running backs. Also Michael Carter is injury prone. Yeah. We've seen. Yeah. That's also true. That's also true. He just pick up the, uh, the occasional, uh, the occasional bump and bruise. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, I mean, hey, if you want to bank on a Michael Carter injury, then, yeah, I guess Brees Hall would be, would be your guy. But um, for me, not my cup of tea. Um, and for me, I just don't see Brees Hall having significant enough upside, at least in PPR, for me to really want to go and shell out when I only have him down for about 34 catches. So not, not for me. I mean, maybe – Maybe his upside is that he gets a shade over a thousand yards. Maybe, maybe, but I, I just worry so much about that Michael Carter split that it does definitely hurt where I have Brees Hall. And I'm, I'm torn right now between him, Elijah Mitchell and Damian Harris as to the order that I want to rank those three. And they're all very much in a very similar position in terms of they'll be splitting with other guys in their backfield. It's just a matter of which one do I like the most. And it's Paul for now, but that can very easily change where I could one day I'll wake up and I'll say, Oh, maybe it's Mitchell. Another day I'll wake up and say, Oh, maybe it's Damian Harris. I mean, Damian Harris definitely has the most touchdown upside over all of them. No, no doubt. Cause he's getting the goal. He's getting the ball on the one yard line. Yeah. Like we all, we all know that. Yep. Yep. It's just a matter of what he does outside of that. Yeah. And honestly, I kind of agree with you where at the price, Michael Carter in full 38 on fantasy pros right now. Um, I, with the PPR upside of Michael Carter, he's going to be getting a lot of those catches out of the backfield. I feel like. So Brees Hall in full is going 38th overall, the consensus. No, 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 no. Michael Carter is going 38th. No. Oh, Michael Carter. 30... Michael Carter. Oh, 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 okay. I see. Michael Carter is 38th in running, running back ranks. I have him at 37. And Brees Hall is 20 in the running back ranks. And I have him 23. Where's he going overall, Brees Hall? Uh, one second. I'm curious. Do, 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 do. One, of these day, one of these days, I'll just pull up the consensus and, ha- and have it, but that's 43. just boring. 43? 43. I'm 12 spots lower. I've been 55. I mean, you want to play a game? Yeah. Of would you rather? Sure. So, uh, my favorite game. Brees Hall or Antonio Gibson? Oh, I hate them both. Gibson <laughs> with a gun to my head. 
this one should be easier for you. Uh, Brees Hall or DK Metcalf? Metcalf. Brees Hall or Josh Jacobs? Had to think about that one. Jacobs, that's closer though. Brees Hall or Patrick Mahomes? Ooh. Mahomes. Brees Hall or Mike Williams? Williams. Brees Hall or Cortland Sutton? Oh, I literally just talked about Cortland Sutton with Jake. <laughs> it's Sutton. Wait, it's with Sutton. the A on the South? On the South show? Yeah, I don't know how we got to talk about. Oh, we were, we were talking about Michael Thomas, and, and I we both have Michael uh, Cortland Sutton pretty closely ranked to Michael Thomas. Michael and, Thomas, and so who might be missing the first six weeks of the season? No, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. I'm not worried about Michael Thomas. Uh, last one. My, uh, I was about to say Michael Thomas. We haven't had, we haven't had one where I've said Brees Hall yet. I know. Just wait. Brees Hall over George Kittle or, or George Kittle. Kittle. So every single player I named is ranked below, below Brees Hall on yep. Fantasy Pros. Mm-hmm. And I, every single one of those names that you listed, I have higher than Brees Hall. Every single one. That's crazy. Yep. Well, you I, just hate his guts. Well, I'll tell you who I have him around. I have him, the guys that I have below Brees Hall, Allen Robinson, Elijah Mitchell, Dalton Schultz, Amari Cooper, Darnell Mooney, Darren Waller, Jerry Judy. That's not bad. No. I no. mean, I think I'd rather have, I don't know. I mean, with the price and as like kind of an upside play, I kind of like Brees Hall over some of those guys. But I think if we're just talking about the Jets, I'd rather have Michael Carter where he's going. Well, it's at that point in the draft, too, where every one of those guys has something working against them. Every last one. And Amari Cooper was a guy that I was toting as a potential top 12 receiver. Now it's like I don't want any part of Amari Cooper, and him being at 59 in my ranks is pretty pretty generous. Yeah, and Michael Carter currently is going uh, 97 overall. Let me see where I, I have Michael Carter going 94. So he's around Aaron Rodgers, Drake London, Christian Kirk, yep. Brandon Ike, Russell Gage, Robert Woods, those guys. Ooh. Russell Gage. That's very interesting. Where do I have Russell Gage in my ranks? I know I have him uh, around here somewhere. I'm just a little lower on him than the consensus is. So oh, he's right here. He's right here. No, he's in the same spot. I have him, I have him at 99. Oh, so the consensus has him at 101. Okay. All right. But I think I at love, that point, I love Russell Gage too. And we we did talk about Russell Gage on the NFC NFC South show, and we had a very different opinion on Russell Gage. I I probably have the same opinion as the I have the dissenting opinion on Russell <laughs> Gage, where I'm just like, he's too much of a boomer boomer bus play, where like He's he'll be good for you for like two weeks and then the rest of the week they'll fuck you. Well, this was on this was on the this is a big caveat being that Chris Godwin is out six weeks. Chris That's Godwin's true. out Chris Godwin's out six weeks, then Russell Gage is gonna go to the moon. He's gonna fly. Yeah, because I mean, as far as receivers, it's Mike Evans. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. 
Yep. Cameron, well, Cameron Brate's there, but like, well, and yeah. they also signed Kyle Rudolph this week. Yes, that is also true. But uh, yeah, Michael Carter for the price. I'm looking to get Michael Carter over Brees Hall. Yep, I agree. I agree. If I had a choice of the two, I would I would be taking Michael Carter as current price than I would be for Brees Hall. All right, and the receivers. So we got Elijah, Gibby, Gibby Moore, Garrett Wilson, and Corey Davis, Braxton Berrios. Um, what do you? What's your thought process on these receivers? Uh, for me, the one that I, I this is the one jet that I want to have. It's Elijah, Gibby, Gibby Moore, of course. My, my friend, my friend, colleague, great guy, I love him. I have him as a top thirty-six receiver. Um, kind of hard for me to put Elijah Moore any higher than 32 when you start bringing him into the discussion of guys like Juju, Amon Ross St. Brown, Rashad Bateman, all guys that I have a few spots above him. And even the guys below him, I'm looking at Adam Thielen, Gabe Davis, Devonta Smith, Hunter Renfro. I, I kind of, I kind of want to put Elijah Moore lower because I, I kind of view him as a breakout candidate, but the conditions for that breakout are a little difficult given the Garrett Wilson arrival, given the Tyler Conklin arrival, given the CJ Uzama arrival. There are a lot more weapons now with, with this Jets offense. It's a, it's a good thing for, for Zach Wilson, but for fantasy, it's a little, a little hard to, you know, go and invest in. Uh, Let me just see the projections that I have down for Elijah Moore. I have Elijah Moore down for, I have him down for 63 catches, 815 yards with four touchdowns. I mean, it's not awful. The projections aren't friendly for him. It's more of, I like Elijah Moore based more on feel, but the projections are not kind. No, not really. And I think the thing with Moore is that not only is he, did he also miss time last year with not only injury, but the Jets just didn't want to or know how to use him. Michael Four really didn't know how to or want to use him starting out. They wanted you. They wanted the offense to flow through Corey Davis more than Elijah Moore. Well, it didn't help also that you know the, the Jets were basically playing almost the entire second half of the season without Zach Wilson. No, well, he only missed like three weeks. Zach Wilson did. Well, I'm talking about during during Elijah Moore's peak. Elijah Moore's peak was with oh, with Joe Mike Flacco White, and then with Jesus. Joe Flacco. That's true. Yeah, there we go. That's what I meant to say. I apologize. The last six games of Elijah Moore, he was a wide receiver too. I believe the number that he was averaging was around 16 fantasy points a game which if he continued that pace during the, during that six game stretch for the remainder of the season, he would have been in that stretch of time. He would have finished like the wide receiver five. Wow. Just with that stretch, just with that stretch. And, and, you know, obviously he had, he had the stint at the beginning of the year before the bye, where, you know, he really did do much if, if, if anything. But it was Joe Flacco, by the way. It was Joe Flacco. Okay. Yeah. But it was that Cincinnati, the Cincinnati game onward is where 
Elijah Moore really took off. And if he had continued that pace from week eight all the way to week 17, he would have finished from week eight to week 17 as a wide receiver five. Which is great. And like, that's the thing with with Elijah Moore is that he has a lot of upside. And now that he's kind of proven himself a little bit, I feel like he, he will get more usage as long as he's on the field consistently and even with the more with more weapons, like they didn't the fact that the Jets brought in two tight ends, Garrett Wilson, um, and Brees Hall is not because they didn't think that Elijah Moore was good enough. They just thought that Elijah Moore couldn't do it by himself. And they needed complimentary pieces. Yeah, but it's a lot of mouths. It's a lot of mouths in, in that offense. I kind of look at Amon uh, at um Elijah Moore the way I look at Amon Ross St. Brown where it's like there's another there are another bodies there you know with Amon Ra it was Jamison Williams brought into the fold with Elijah Moore they brought in Garrett Wilson Brees Hall and two tight ends so there's a lot of competition to go around and I've definitely tempered it on um on Amon Ra St. Brown like I have on Elijah Moore but you know looking at other guys that are in that sort of similar um age range profile, you know, breakout kind of guys. I look at the two that are basically sitting above. I'm around St. Brown and Elijah Moore uh, as who I mentioned before in Darnell Mooney and Rashad Bateman, Darnell Mooney and Rashad Bateman have gotten increased opportunity via the departures of Allen Robinson and Marquise Brown respectively. So their offenses have subtracted, but they've added more responsibility onto their shoulders. And while Rashad Bateman has Mark Andrews to contend with, and of course he's the alpha in that passing game for the Baltimore Ravens, there's going to be more outside opportunities for Rashad Bateman to produce. Whereas Darnell Mooney, Allen Robinson is no longer there. He's looking to get a nice connection going with Justin Fields. So he gets an increase with that. But you add more to the fold with both the Detroit Lions and the New York Jets, it, it does hurt both St. Brown and Elijah Moore, which is why I think the upside is capped with Moore a little bit. Like, but if you're telling me that he could be a thousand yard guy, yeah, he could be a thousand yard guy. That's definitely in, in the range of outcomes, but is he a, like, do I, do I realistically expect Elijah Moore to finish as a top 24 wide receiver? I don't because of the low touchdown upside. That's also part of the problem is if he's not going to score many touchdowns, he needs to have 85, 90 catches, which I don't have him getting. He's going to have to be like a DJ Moore. Yeah. And I think that really it's his ceiling. He's, I don't think he's going to be like a high end wide receiver one at this point. Mm-mm. No, no. I don't it's think not, that's in his range of outcomes at all. No, that's not his ceiling at all. His ceiling is probably in the top 25, like a top 25 receiver. Probably, probably, but it's a matter of, you know, who goes down, who's injured, who breaks out. Like for, for me, I, I want every last bit of Rashad Bateman that I can get my hands on. Yeah. And the cool thing about Elijah Moore also is even though it seemed like a lot more in when I was thinking about it, but I think the potential for Elijah Moore on, you know, gadget plays, Jet sweeps, end arounds, um, that that stuff, like that is an opportunity for him. He could be used like like a Debo Samuel, not like running out of the backfield kind of, 
but like as kind of a Swiss Army knife. It's possible. It's possible. Maybe even like a Tyree kill, I guess, would be a better example. Oh, that. that's a that's a big that's a big comparison to say that Ooh. it's going to be a, like a Tyree kill. No, well, the way he's used it, the way that he's used in different positions on the field. I don't know there. I don't know though if there's like a dominant alpha Tyree kill style in this Jets offense. I think they want to go by committee. They, they, they want to go by not having just one guy. They want to have multiple guys, which is fine. We've seen it work. We've seen it work in the past, but as of, as of right now, when we're talking about it, there is not a clear dominant target hog in this Jets offense. Yes, that's true. Now now does one potentially turn into that? It's possible. It's definitely possible. Garrett Wilson or Elijah Moore could turn into that for sure. But as of right now, I don't, see it based on the way that the Jets offense is is run and a lot of this also is very much predicated on the play of Zach Wilson very 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 much so yeah and I think that's something I mean this could not to turn this into an episode of the Jets White podcast hosted by oh, we're already there. <laughs> but um I mean a lot of this is like we're kind of assuming that Zach Wilson is going to take a take a step in a second, you would expect year. him to. I hope so. I think there's an expectation that he takes a step. I mean, he, I don't want to say he has to, but I think just with all of the stuff that has gone on this offseason surrounding Zach Wilson and you know whatever side of the the aisle you fall on with that, you know, God or bless the bed or the bed if you want to be really on the nose about it. Good God, Adam. Um, he he has to he has to produce. Otherwise, of course there's going to be criticism that's thrown his way. Yeah, for Some sure. Some of it having to do with potential mothers. Not, but never mind. Different strokes, different folks. See, you did the same thing that I just did. You opened the door, Adam. I just kicked it open. See, when you say potential mothers, it makes it sound like something else. Not like... It just makes it sound like something different than what actually happened. He slept with his mother's best friend. Yeah, but you say potential mothers. You make it sound like she's pregnant. Oh, I didn't. I get that. I get that vibe at all. That's yeah, not well, what I was implying. That's not what I was implying. I would hope. That, I would hope that Zachary is uh, employing uh, safe sexual practices. He is a cougar that likes cougars. Or oh. he is. Uh, or he is procreating with a woman that is uh, no longer doing the thing that is required to get pregnant. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Welcome, welcome to men's health and lifestyle. Except we're only talking. Except we're talking about women's health and lifestyle because we're talking about menopause. Yep, that's true. That's true. Women's health and lifestyle. But it's a dog podcast. Anyway, tight ends. We didn't talk about Garrett Wilson at all. Oh, that's true. Anyway, we've been this entire time on uh, on a lot on Elijah. Give me, give me more. Um, Garrett Wilson, I have as a top fifty uh, option. You know, he's fine. He's fine. He's not my favorite of the of the rookie receivers. I'm very much all in on Drake London, Traylon Burks, Chris Olave. Or oh, listen to the Sunday episode where we Jake and I just wax lyrical about Chris Olave. Um, 
But Garrett Wilson, is, he's fine. He's fine. You know, if you want to, if you want to take a little stab on that, I know there are a lot of Jets fans that listen to this podcast, um, and they want to take a stab on Garrett Wilson. I would understand. I would understand it. But um, for me, not my uh, not my cup of tea. So I won't be having uh, many shares of Garrett Wilson this year. I don't blame you. He's kind of an unknown. Like you know what he did at Ohio State. Yep. And he was very good when he was in college. But like you, in the NFL, in this new offense, it's kind of an unknown uh, quantity or commodity. Got to say it. Where it's not, he wasn't like a Jamar Chase when he came out of college or any of the Alabama guys, whether it be Amari Cooper, Julio Jones, what have you. Or, yep. yeah. So for he, for this, you just have to see it for sure. Yep. Yep. It's wait and see. Now, do you want to move on to CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin? Yep. Yep, I have them as my tight ends 34 and 35. Jeremy Ruckert, my tight end 44. I don't really want to invest in any of the Jets' tight ends. I mean, maybe CJ Ozama, sure. But mm, not for me, not for me. I would much rather take a chance on someone like in in deep leagues. um, If you're in a bind, maybe taking a chance on someone like, uh, like Trey McBride, Brevin Jordan, Adam Troutman, uh, Hayden Hurst who is gaining a lot of steam really quick um, because of course, tight end for Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals offense is being taken. Like it's going out of style. Um, I would rather take a chance with those guys than I would on the other Jets side ends. Yeah. Honestly, CJ Uzama, like I like the guy, but he kind of screams somebody who is like, an like an overpayment in free agency, mm-hmm. like a yeah. one year wonder almost. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Because like, which is fine. I mean, he's a he he excels as a blocking tight end. So you know, if if you're trying to be more uh, sound on the line and have more tight ends that can come in and in, uh, in jumbo packages and things like that, and CJ Uzama will be fine in that regard. Um, but I think personally, Tyler Conklin is more your receiving tight end that I think will uh, will be more of your vertical threat. But Uzama could do that too. He could do that too. But if I was taking a chance on one, I'd probably take the chance on Conklin. Yeah. And Conklin, you know, he's shown flashes throughout his career. He's been met, uh, like a waiver ad for, what was that, last? No, two years ago, where he just had a couple great weeks in a row and everybody was looking to add him on waivers. Well, last year he was fantastic. So last year he finished the tight end 15. So that must be what it was. Yeah, 2021. That's how he got, that's how he got his money. Yeah. Tight end, tight end 15, 87 targets, 61 catches, 593 yards, three touchdowns. And I, I streamed my fair share of Tyler Conklin last year. I definitely did. Yeah, I did too. It was fine. Yep, it was fine. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to see how, how it uh, shakes out. Because, really, there – I mean, there's – you know that Conklin and Uzama are going to be the two guys, but – the Jets did draft Jeremy Ruckert for a reason. And it's not just because he's a local kid. It's because they saw something in him. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's move on to the Patriots. Okay. We already kind of talked about Mac Jones a little bit, where he's kind of like a kind of a boring option at quarterback. Yep. Boring option. He'll be safe, if not too safe. Uh, Maybe. Make you want to capture your eyeballs certain weeks when he's putting up, uh, you know, 10 points 
uh, when he passes for 143 yards and a touchdown, and then that's it. Um, but has shown up to camp in better shape, looks good, uh, is making all the throws from what I understand, and new offense too because no more Josh McDaniels, so he has to learn uh, the new the nuances of a new offense. So everyone's just kind of on the same level, which is good, I think, for Mac Jones. So, I mean, I was my QB 21. He's fine. He's fine. But again, I think I'd rather take the chance on someone like Zach Wilson um, based on the upside that I think Zach Wilson has versus the upside that I think Mac Jones has. Yeah, I kind of I agree with you. You know, Patriots bias aside, I, I do agree. Mac Jones is very boring. Very, very, very boring. Great. Great option into QB if you need a third quarterback. I think Mac Jones is perfect for that. Yeah. And I don't know if the Patriots, like, do they really add a ton of weapons in the offseason? No. They're kind of running it back with the same guys. Yep. Pretty much. So expect, expect Hunter Henry to get a million targets in the red zone. I mean, the only weapon they added, of course, is Devontae Parker. But like shows you shows you how much I give a shit. Well, I forgot about it also. So no, I know I knew about it. I knew I knew about Devontae Parker, but I mean let's just see for fun. Before we even get there, where do I have Devontae Parker? We could just skip the receivers before. Yeah, I had Devontae Parker as my wide receiver 56. That just shows you how enthusiastic I am. Jacoby Myers, by the way, in full point, I have Jacoby Myers, my wide receiver 48. And he's basically free right now. So that could be a worthwhile little target for uh Anybody in 12, 14 team leagues that are looking for a nice, solid floor receiver, Jacoby Myers could be your guy there. And he's, yeah. like I said, basically free. And it's a really uninspiring receiver room, to be honest with you. Yeah. Of Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Devonta Parker, Jacoby Myers, Ty Montgomery is here, um, Tyquan Thornton, Matthew Slater, Lil Jordan Humphrey, and Christian Wilkerson, Trey Nixon. It, I mean, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's not it's not very uh not very nice. Not very nice. I would rather I'd just go for Jacoby Myers in, in full and half and then a non maybe maybe Devontae Parker would be your guy. I mean even even in half and full, if you if you want to take a little shot on Devontae Parker, I think that's fine. I think that's fine. They traded for him for a reason. If there's anybody that knows how to uh reclamate a uh, reclamation project, it would be uh it would be Bill Belichick. He knows how to how to uh, use a reclamation project, but also he does not know how to draft. He doesn't see. He doesn't know what to look for in receivers. Apparently, he just oh, can't God. draft. He just can't draft receivers. They kill Harry. Yeah, kill Harry. But well, that's the reason that they're in this situation where they have a bunch of journeymen at receiver mm-hmm. and Devonta Parker. Also, didn't help that Julian Edelman just retired. Yeah, but Julian Edelman, you should, you should have had a plan in place to offset the retirement of Julian Edelman. I think Bill Belichick needs to just go and draft quarterbacks in like the seventh round, and then convert them to receiver because that apparently is where Bill Belichick makes his money in terms of drafting receivers. I think you should never do that ever. Oh, why not? Give me, give me my next Julian Edelman, please. Oh, was Julian. Julian Edelman was a guy that I had every single year, and I just loved it. God, I hate him so much. Anyway, running backs. A lot more inspiring with this position. 
Very much so. Very much so. I like both of them to varying degrees. We've talked about Damian Harris before. Uh, my RB25 and full point. Double to touch on upside. I like him a lot, especially at the price where he's going right now in round seven. I like that a whole, whole lot. And I hope that the public keep suppressing Damian Harris a little bit because I will make sure of it that I get my fair share of Damian Harris as an RB3, even an RB4. And if I do a draft where I'm going zero, zero RB, Damian Harris is an excellent target to try and go after maybe in round five if you really were desperate enough and really wanted to make sure that you get a solid running back to just start your room around. Damian Harris could be one of those guys with plenty of upside given the double-digit nature, uh, double-digit touchdown nature that he definitely uh, definitely possesses. And Ramondre Stevenson, I think there's a little bit little bit of, uh, of upside there um, given Damian Harris not really being able to stay on the field consistently last year. So if Damian Harris goes down, Ramondre Stevenson next man up. So I would recommend anybody that's going to be going out and investing in Damian Harris, go try and invest in Ramondre Stevenson. Well, I mean, it just makes sense because if one goes down, then the other one is more powerful Bingo. or more is better. Yep. Yep. And it's who like, knows? Who knows? Without Josh McDaniels there, maybe there's a chance that one just dominates the backfield and touches. You never know. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, you also got to consider the return of James White into into the backfield equation for for the Patriots. So what role does James White play into into the the mix? We'll have to wait and see. But I don't see James White being a threat as far as far as being, you know, a big time carry back. I think it's really going towards Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson. I think if anything, it hurts the PPR upside of both because of James White, but again, you know what James White's going to be and and you know again, 12, 14 team leagues. I think if you're looking for just someone with a solid enough floor, James White might be the guy. Yeah. And we're really going to see this season if running back committees and not committing to a, to a guy is a Bill Belichick thing or a Josh McDaniels thing. We're going to find out. We're absolutely going to find out. Although even when Bill O'Brien was the offensive coordinator, they still use kind of a committee at running back. Mm-hmm. So maybe it is a Bill Belichick thing. I don't know. I think it is, but we're going to find out for sure. All right. So we already talked about the receivers, but the tight ends are really what we're looking at here for New England. It's Hunter Henry. It's Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry is a tight end that I want to have in this offense. My tight end 17. Uh, Touchdown upside is, I think, is it's there. I mean, you you know what the what the deal is. Um, I believe that he was, I want to get the stat right. I think it was second at the tight end position in red zone targets and tied for first in red zone touchdowns with Mark Andrews from a year ago. I believe that's the stat that I was reading the other day. Well, I wish it was something I could look up easier. I think that's right. I think that's right. That he was second in end zone targets and first in red zone touchdowns. Wait, end zone targets or red zone targets? End zone. Really? Yeah. That's actually, I mean, that's great. And it explains why he caught nine touchdowns last year. Yeah, but I mean, it's also the dependency on those touchdowns, you know, is it's scary to go and invest in because, I mean, if we just look at the game log of, of Hunter Henry, when he wasn't scoring touchdowns in full point PPR, Games in which he did not score a touchdown, 
Yeah, it's not great. And that's no. not that's not a floor that you're looking that you're like, I'm comfortable with this. No, no, not at all. Not at all. You want you want more. You want if your tight end is not scoring a touchdown, you want five, six catches for 50. That's the bare minimum. And you yep. can touchdown on top of that gravy. He meets what you want him to do for the week. But for a streaming tight end, you really want to get that five, six catches for 50 yards. That's baseline and full point of what I would expect. Yeah. And it just didn't really happen. Mm-mm. And, no. And I mean, is there anybody else for New England? I or... mean, there's John o. Smith. There's John well, yeah. Smith. He's there. But like he he's the backup. Yeah. And when he's healthy. I mean, it really comes down to the Patriots expand their passing game, honestly. If there's if there's more targets to go around, then John o. Smith could be it could be interesting. But as things stand, I don't really see uh Bill Belichick taking the training wheels off until proven otherwise. Well, unless they throw it back to 2011 and start running two tight end sets all over the place. Which they attempted to do. They attempted to do that. And it just turned out that one tight end that they signed was better than the other one. Yeah. And that's just kind of what it, what it is for New England at the moment. Hunter Henry is kind of has really separated himself from Johnny Smith because we yeah. thought it was going to be more even when they first signed in. Free. Oh, I thought so. I, I thought so for sure. Like they were back to back in a lot of rankings. I think and, they were back to back in mine. And now the gap is just, it's a, it's a chasm. It's not a gap. It's the Grand Canyon. Yep. Tight end 17 for Henry, tight end 31 for Smith. Yep. All right. So Miami. Here's the controversial part or like the kind of question, question marks with Miami is Tua. Mm-hmm. Well, you know and, me. You know me. I'm not a big Tua guy. Yeah. Honestly, me neither. And this is also not a biased thing. I just don't see it for Tua. Mm-mm. I mean, look, he's got all the pieces that he needs to be successful this year. But again, do I really see it happening? No, I don't. Because I just don't think Tua is very good. So um, I have him as my QB 19. Okay, fine. But it's based more off of, I know the pieces that he finally has this year. And you would think that he'd be able to do something with them because the offense is set up for him. It it really is. They've gone out, they've made significant investments to make the skilled positions around him better. Bring having Jalen Waddle coming back, have Mike Kosicki back, but bring in Tyree kill, bring in chase Edmonds. There should be a bit more consistency there, but there's two things with, with Tua that obviously are big red flags. Number one, it's durability. Can he play? Can he consistently be on the field? And number two, it's consistency. Can he be consistent enough? And so far, the answer to both those questions is no. Yeah, he missed four games uh, last year, and he 
I mean, granted, six game, was it six games in 2020 that he missed? Did he play 10? Um, let me see. He played, yes, he played 10. Yep. And really, it's parts of 10 because of the whole Tua Fitzpatrick situation. True. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. That's true. So this season was really his first full season by himself with the offense where there was no like no hook where like if he struggles, then Fitzpatrick's going to come in and kind of kind of as a reliever and mop up whatever whatever's happening. But um, yeah, he just hasn't been consistent. I mean, he's okay, but as like a guy who you're expecting more of these numbers outside of like the first couple of weeks after he came back from his injury, where he had at least 20 against Jacksonville and Atlanta two, arguably two of the easiest matchups on the schedule granted. And he had 16.2 against Buffalo on the road, which is good. But like outside of those weeks, um, those numbers aren't great. Like these numbers are the numbers of somebody you're looking at in the 15 range, Correct. not in the 13 range. Correct. And I mean, he has upside. I don't want to get that confused. He has upside given the weapons that are around him, but it's just a matter of whether he takes advantage of that, which is another question in and of itself. Also, his schedule is really fucking hard. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's got two matchups against New England, two matchups against Buffalo. I was going to say, he's got six matchups in his own division, which are which are not cakewalks because no. the Jets defense has gotten better. The Patriots defense is the Patriots defense. They're always going to be stifling no matter what. And the Bills defense is the Bills defense. It's probably the number one defense that's around. Yeah. And they're going to San Francisco, going to the Chargers. Um, Cleveland's defense is really good. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh's defense is good. Minnesota's defense could be good. Oh, do they put – they play – this is an AFC North them, uh, an AFC North year, isn't it? It is. Oh, so they get the Bengals, the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Browns. So they play the AFC and NFC North. Okay, the, the NFC North – NFC North isn't terrible, but the AFC North, eek. Yep. So they – yeah. That's nine. That's nine games. You take his own division games at – no, sorry, ten. Ten games. Where you're like, eek, I don't really know. Yep. In a 17-game season, that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know about Tua. I'm moving Tua down. (laughs) Yeah, and the one game that he's playing, the other, like, and the two games, let's see, what's the other non... I move him down to 20. Move him down to 20, Matt Ryan cracks into my top 20. And out of his non... Uh, East slash North games. He is Houston, which are which is a good matchup, great matchup. But then he's on the road to San Francisco and LA. No thanks. And that's that's a three week stretch, by the way. No thanks. So I'm good. I'm week, good. Week twelve versus Houston, then at San Francisco, at the Chargers, at the Bills. That's twelve through fifteen. That's rough. I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. I'm I'm fine. All right. Well, the running back situation. I mean, it's a mess. It's a bunch of guys. Yep. You, know, you have Chase Edmonds, Miles Get. Sorry, he who shall not be named is there. Curse word. Curse word. Yeah. 
There's we, one curse word on this show. Actually, there's there's several that we can't say. One of them is that. You can bleep that out. Yep, I'll bleep that out. Bleep. Yeah. Uh, Raheem Mostert, Sonny Michelle, Salvin Ahmed, and some... Laird, maybe? I don't think so, unless he's listed as a receiver. No, he'd be listed as a running back. Nope. No, Patrick Laird, it's not there. Thank God. Uh, Lynn no, no one's be tempted by Patrick Laird anymore. Did I say Lynn Bowden? Uh, Lynn Bowden's hybrid. Lynn Bowden's hybrid. Right, uh, right, right, right back, right. Running back wide receiver. Holy shit, I can't speak. Uh, Garrett Dokes and Zaquandre White are also two guys that they have under contract. Basically, the three, the three running backs to this team are going to be Chase Edmonds, Sonny Michelle, and Raheem Mostert. Yes. If Miles, we were talking about this on, on the uh, on the South preview. If Miles Gaskin gets traded to the Los Angeles Rams, find a new co-host. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I would quit. I would quit life. That's rough. That would be rough. That'd be horrible. That would be horrible. Just anywhere else. Keep him away from my prodigal son, please. For the love of God. Isn't Darrell Henderson still there? Yeah, but Darrell Henderson, Darrell Henderson is no threat to my son, Cam Akers. No, but like, why would they need to trade for Miles Gaskin? Because there's no such thing as, as enough running backs, and Miles, and Miles Gaskin would be absolutely, he, he'd probably, he's probably begging to go to the Rams just so it can be like, oh, Bird talks shit. <laughs> okay, watch this. Go to the Rams. Oh, that would be rough. With, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I understand why he wants to go to the Rams. He wants to go be with, with uh with uncle stan and cousin josh i don't blame him i don't i don't don't blame him i don't blame him it's a great family organization yeah great ownership love them yeah love them great people welcome to the arsenal alexander senchenko great guy stop stealing our players great guy (laughs) love him oh gabby jesus oh i love I love him. I love him. He's amazing. I swear, if Raheem Sterling had signed with Arsenal, I would have been like, nope, that tears it. We have to get somebody else. We have to they were take considering a it. They, they, they were considering it, but he just want, he wanted to play in Champions League, which, which I understand. I understand. It's okay. Freezes, freezes up to go sign uh, uh, Chelsea killer Yori Tielemans himself. Great guy. Love him. He knows, he knows what color London is. He knows. You could sign a bunch of Man City killers like Hakim Ziyech and Adama Traore. Oh, Adama. Oh, my God. Adama Traore, every time he plays Man City, he is literally, he's just like Pele. He's Pele, Ronaldo, and Messi in one body. I it's ridiculous. Adama. I love Adama, too. I love him. That's it's annoying is what man. it is. That's a bad, bad, bad man. There have been times where he looks like he it's his first time playing soccer in his in his entire life. But if if he goes to the Etihad, forget about it. Adam, if if there was ever an opportunity to sign Adama Triari, I would come onto the show wearing baby oil at all times. <laughs> at all times, I would just be too slick. Too slick. Too slick. Yep. Number two, two, S. 
L I C C C. Too slick. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's how the kids talk these days. That is how the kids talk these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just being one with the time. I see. I suddenly feel like I'm 50 years old. I don't well, know where that. I, I don't know where that feeling's coming from. Well, Adam, do you have any gray in your hair? No, I do okay, not. Okay, so go fuck yourself. I don't want to hear about feeling like you're fucking 50. Do you have gray in your hair? Yeah, I do. I can't tell. Yeah, I'll have to show. I'll have to, I'll have to show you. I'll have to show you sometime. Even though I'm very self conscious about my grays. Interesting. No, I yeah, I don't have any gray hair. I do have. I do have gray. I don't know if can you see. Can you see like right here? It just. I mean, I guess that's. I thought it was just like the light or something. Oh no, that's all, that's all gray right in front. That's all gray. Interesting. Yeah, I'm fucking old, man. I'm fucking old. What do you want me to tell you? You're only like a couple months older than me. Yeah, and guess what? I'm gonna be in the grave about a couple twenty years before you at this rate. Well, well listen, if it's anything like my my grandparents and my dad, I'm not gonna have a lot of my hair. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, sorry about that. I have the complete opposite problem. I might be gray, but I'll have a whole head of hair. So. I'll be just a silver fox. See, I would rather have that than. People. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yes. And oh, absolutely. On, honestly, gray hair is fine. It looks it looks okay. It's not the worst thing in the world. Uh yeah. But when you're twenty, when you're twenty six, and you have to explain to people why I have gray hair, and it's like, oh yeah, the the stresses in my life. Well, you should say, have you met my podcast co-host? Fair, fair, yeah. There you go. All the explaining you need to do. Have you met Jake Simone? He's got a bit of a temper. Oh, no, not Jake. No, I love Jake. I love Jake. It's me. I know. And- I- You're my podcast co-host? Oh, I had no idea. Well, I'm the I one had that no ca- fucking idea. I'm the one that causes you the, the most stress, probably. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Adam, you're not a woman. I was are talking you- about... Never mind. You are my work husband, but... You are not a woman. No comment. Jake does have a temper, though. I will agree on that. Oh, he's just hot-headed. He's Italian. No, it's, I have a temper, too. You, 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 you see my temper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on some things, I can get very mad. But that's besides the point. I'm trying to think. What was the last, like, serious rant that I, ran, that I went on about something? Oh, boy. It was, it was something serious. Oh, it was about the Knicks. It was about the Knicks. Oh, yeah. That was a fun episode of the Basic Talk Podcast. It was about the Knicks. It's always about the Knicks. Yes, it was about the Knicks. But you know what? They have a chance to get back into my good graces. Do you want them to do, Adam? Trade for Donovan Mitchell. Just get him. And don't give give up anything too valuable. Okay. If it costs you six first-round picks to do it, then of course not. But if it's like if you can do it for four first rounders and a combo of a combo two of quickly topping Grimes, okay, bye, see ya. Yeah, like peace. I don't give a fuck that our backcourt won't be able to defend. I don't care. I don't care. Put on a product. Put a product in Madison Square Garden for Christ's sake. All right, back to the football. Tom Thibodeau will teach them how to defend. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Are you fucking kidding me? Jalen Brunson's dad will do coaching sessions with Jalen about how to defend. 
if Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell don't defend, Tom Thibodeau will take a crowbar and kneecap them. Jalen's dad will put him in a timeout for not being able to defend. That is exactly what happened. He's like, if you can't defend, you're not playing. If you can't defend, son, I'm going to put you in a timeout. Yep. Anyway, back to the football. Receivers for the Dolphins. Uh, it's really Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Uh, yep. Tyreek Hill I have as my wide receiver nine. Jalen Waddle has my wide receiver 16, and I'm tempted to put him lower, and I'm going to put him lower. I'm going to move Jalen Waddle to my wide receiver. I'll move him to my wide receiver 19. Take him back after my wide receiver 20, which has Cooks to wide receiver 16. Terry McLaurin, my wide receiver 17. Michael Thomas, my wide receiver 18. So um, I just worry about Waddle just because they obviously brought in Tyreek Hill. They paid him a gazillion trillion dollars. And that is obviously going to be the focal point of the offense for the Miami Dolphins. So while Waddle will be, he'll be fine. Like he'll be, he'll be fine. But am I going to go out of my way and spend a pick in the back end of round two, early part of round three on Jalen Waddle? No, I'm probably not. Even, even middle of round three, I'm probably still not going to do it. My, the window for Jalen Waddle probably opens up at the back end of round three, early part of round four for me. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that's kind of made me temptuous on, or is that even a word? I don't, whatever. Hesitant. Tem- Tentative is what I was thinking. Tentative. Of. There you go. Hesitant is a synonym too. Yeah. Uh, I want to use my five syllable eight associated press words. Re- oh, oh, of course. Of course. You one percenter, you. Oh, my goodness. Really digging deep into your lexicon there. I am. I know, I know it's what you one percenters, instead of using what common people like myself and these beautiful people listen to the podcast use. You know, going into the word bank, going into your vocabulary. No, no, no. You one percenters like to go into your lexicon. Oh, you like to go into your lexicon. Yes. Because yeah. I'm Adam Castor. I'm a member of the 1% and who gets daily emails from the Associated Press. It's a five-star, it's a five-star journalist and award-winning journalist who writes stories and gets awards, awards for his stories and is a member of the Associated Press and has a PhD because, of course, he's a doctor too, Dr. Castor. So two things. One, right back at you, Mr. One Percent, member yourself. of the Mr. The Fantasy Football, member of the Fantasy Football Consensus. I will take being a, a member of the Fantasy One Percent. I wear that as a badge of honor. Two, some people prefer the word vernacular. That's also a great one. Oh, of course, of course. See, see what he's doing to us, beautiful people. He's lecturing us about the the, the vernacular, the, the 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 language of his one percenters use. Actually, he's someone said he, he's like raising his nose right now at all of us. You know, fucking snob. Some would say I'm pontificating at you. See, do you see what he's doing? <laughs> do you see this? This is just absolutely disgusting. This, uh, this elitism is just absolutely profound. He's not even trying to hide it now. I'm not that pretentious, I swear. I'm telling you, my beautiful people, if, if, if you just don't hear this, I, I got I got nothing to tell you. I mean, this is just pure one percent elitism at its finest. I mean, that'd be pretty ironic if me saying that I'm not pretentious is also pretentious. It's weird. It doesn't make any sense to me. The sheer irony is beautiful. It really is. Uh, so anyway, well, let me ask you. Let me ask you uh, one thing about about the receivers for go to the tight ends. Are you nervous about taking Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle based on the overall apprehension that you have about Tua? Well, 
a little bit, but I think what I was going to say before you started making fun of the way that I say words was that you did it to yourself. I'm like really tentative on taking Jalen Waddle. I'm hesitant towards taking Jalen Waddle at the spot that he's going because he is a number two receiver. He's a second option mm-hmm. in the offense. Yep. And he's going around guys who are number one options in their offense. I think it's a very fair point. That's a very fair point. I haven't looked at it like that, but you're hundred percent right. You're looking at the guys that are around him in the ranks. McLaurin, number one, Cook's number one, Thomas, number one, Metcalf, 1A, T Higgins is number two option. So maybe he falls in, into that, you know, tentative category as well. Michael Pittman, number one option, DJ Moore, number one option, AJ Brown, number one option. So I, I agree with you. I, I do agree with you. Yeah. And I mean, you could definitely say that it's like a, it could be a 1A, 1B situation with Hill and Waddle. And do but... the Dolphins pass enough? to the point where they can sustain two viable fantasy options at receiver. That's also, also another question. Is Tua good enough to sustain two fantasy viable wide receivers? Is and Tua, Mike Is Tua good enough to run a high-powered, high-volume passing offense? I don't know if he is. I think it's a and, very, very fair point that you bring up. And you're expecting him to hold up three, maybe four fantasy weapons. Yep. On the money. So, I don't know. Uh, so then do you want to move on to the tight ends? Yep. And we got the bills. Yep. So Mike Kosicki, really tight end. It's Mike Kosicki. My tight end 12. He is very much in the streaming category. Yep. But he's very inconsistent and that's just been a thing for him for his entire career. Yeah. I mean, the one, the one thing though, where you have to expect him to kind of come back up on is the touchdowns. I mean, only two touchdowns from a year ago is absolutely absolutely disgusting yeah and you know 2020 he had uh he had six touchdowns 2019 he had five and you definitely looking at positive regression in that respect and as long as the but i think the thing with gesicki is that that usage the targets are going to be way down because he had 100 he had over 100 targets last year yeah, and I also look at Mike Kosicki, too, and he's always been a guy that has always only performed when other guys are injured. Well, so, when he's the guy, when he is the, the guy, the number one option, he's, it's when he's performed. When sure. He's not that anymore. He has mm-hmm. two guys that need to go down for that to he's happen. probably number three, yeah. Yeah. So I, I won't be having many shares of Kosicki, if any. I would much rather, much, 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 much rather take a stab on Noah Fant or Irv Smith, two guys that are going below him over Kosicki at hell. I mean, I don't know where the ADP uh, is on my guy, Cole Komet, but I mean, Cole Komet, I have as a top 10 tight end now. And I would much, much, much rather take the stab on Komet than I would on Kosicki. Yeah, I agree with you. And even a guy like, you know, we, we talked about Dalton Schultz last episode. And mm-hmm. he his price is way higher than Kasiki's. But I think getting to that lower end of tight ends, I'd rather have guys like Goddard, um, Schultz, Ertz, Fryermuth, Komet over Gasicki. Let me just check on uh on fantasy Football calculator where um what the difference is in price between all of those guys. So if we go to PPR. 
Adapa. Let's just go to tight end, make this a lot easier. So Dalton Schultz is going at the 7-2. Dawson Knox is going at the 7-10. Dallas Goddard is going at the 7-6. Mike Kosicki is going at the 10-3. And then you got Cole Komet going at the 12-7. Noah Fant going at the 13-10. Irv Smith going at the 13-12. Albert Ogwegbadam, our friend, going at the 14-2. Give me all those guys that are going later than um, than Mike Kosicki over Mike Kosicki. Komet, Fant. Irv Smith, Alberto. Yeah, I like that, actually. And Dallas Gardner, I was a little kind of hesitant on also when we talked about him with the Eagles because it's a, it's a very different situation with yeah, Adrian but I think, I, think Goddard, I think Goddard's fine. I think Goddard is fine um, because he, he gets enough looks from uh, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts does have a good connection with Dallas Goddard. So that one doesn't scare me as much. Let's move on to the Bills as our last team. And the Buffalo Bills, starting off with the quarterback, pretty obvious here. Josh Allen is is your guy. Remember when I said said Josh Allen was going to be great and everyone laughed at me for that? Well, you weren't the only one that – and also a lot of people didn't – were very low on Josh Allen. Well, those other people are idiots. They should have their, uh, their scouting tags removed. They should never be allowed to study film ever again, those people. Yeah, Josh Allen, my QB1. QB1, Josh Allen in my overalls. I have him 31st overall. You can get the passing, you can get the rushing. It's a high-powered, high-volume, heavy, 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 heavy pass offense in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, what's not to love? What's not to love about Josh Allen? You're gonna take him. You're gonna take him maybe back into round two, early part of round three, and you are just gonna be loving life. Yeah, and not only is it pass heavy, it's really Josh Allen. Sorry, did I say back in round two, early part of round three? I meant early uh, back in round three, early part of round four. My apologies. Okay, I'm tired. I am tired. I understand. I was gonna say uh, it's not just a pass heavy offense; it's a Josh Allen centric offense in yes. Buffalo. Yes, very much so. Where even if he's not throwing the ball, he's still going to be running the ball. Even yep. though the running back situation is a little different this year mm-hmm. when they oh. since they drafted James Cook. Oh, yes, it is. And I love what, James Cook. One of your other guys. Yep. I love James Cook. I love him. I love him. My bo- a bold prediction. I'll give you a free one right now. James Cook finishes the year as a starting running back for the Buffalo Bills. You know, honestly, I don't even think that's a bold prediction. Oh, good. Good. I thought that was going to be controversial. Okay. okay no, maybe not. Because but... De- Devin Singletary and Zach Moss didn't show anything. Oh, Zach Moss. Zach Moss. Oh, good. It's Zach Moss. Oh, go- oh good golly gosh. It's Zach Moss. Zach Moss. <laughs> Zach Moss. My, uh, my friend, my friend uh, Jamie Carragher does not, like, uh, does not like Zach Moss. Zach Moss. He told me. He told me today. I spoke to him. Okay. He might be coming on the podcast soon. Just letting you know. Oh, great. Maybe. Maybe depends. It depends. Depends how he's feeling. He's under, he's under the weather right now. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. I feel uh, best wishes to our good friend Jamie. Yep. So and of course and of course Stephen Jarrett. <laughs> he made an appearance. He made an appearance. He just wanted. He just Look wanted at that. To show up. Look at that. So this is a good transition, actually, to talking about the running backs for the Bills, and. 
Um, I do think that James Cook is going to be like the guy at, by the end of the season, just because of the uninspiring performances that we saw from Devin Singletary and Zach Moss and whoever. He's got everything that the Bills want. You want him to be a pass catcher, he can do it. You want him to run between the, between the tackles, he can do it. I think he is an excellent stash play. I really think the later you get him, the better. And you just hold him for as long as you possibly can, see if he has any any upside. And then if he's someone that you absolutely have to cut to make room for somebody else, then fine. But I would not be cutting James Cook under any circumstances whatsoever unless you truly have, like, unless there's someone that just absolutely makes more sense that you need, then, of course, cut James Cook. But James Cook is a long-term investment that you need to keep on your roster for about four to six weeks before you even consider maybe making a move away from that. I agree. And you're right. It is like with these guys, some of these rookies, it's a long-term investment where you have to, when you draft somebody like that, you know, you have to be in it for the long haul. You're almost playing like a mini dynasty or a mini keeper league where you have to be, you have to be committed to lottery ticket. It's a lottery ticket. You got to be in it to win it. And with someone like James cook, if you have him, you just got to ride it out for as long as, for as long as possible you can. But the running back that I would want to have to start the year is Devin Singletary. I yep. think he could be fine. He'll be fine for the first couple of weeks. And maybe he's the kind of guy that, you know, if he starts off the season, well, you try and flip him for a, for a more um, name recognizable running back that maybe struggles to start the season. That would be something that potentially I would look to explore. Yeah. Well, honestly, if that was to happen, that would be an absolute fleecing because I just don't see any future for Devin Singletary, like well, any I mean, you upside. Know, you, you know how it goes. You know how it goes. You know, if you, someone takes, you know, Nick Chubb and after three weeks, he's not looking great. And there's Devin Singletary having four touchdowns after three weeks. Guess what? Someone's going to think that Nick Chubb is fucking washed, that Devin Singletary is the guy because he's a member of the Buffalo Bills. And a trade happens. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. True. But yeah, it's kind of it's short-sighted, but that's just fantasy. Oh, it's, it's absolutely short-sighted, but it's just the it's just the way that that a lot of managers are. A lot of managers are impatient. Yep. Well, especially if you're in a redraft league where you're not thinking about the future or anything like that, and you want to win right now. Yep. So it makes sense. Um, all right, real quick, receivers. It's Stefan Diggs. Yep. And oh. Gabe Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis again. I'm considering moving up even closer to like my uh, like the 30 range for uh, the wide receivers. And then it's Jameson Crowder who's at wide receiver 72, who will Good be the slot receiver uh, in Buffalo. And and someone else that I actually want people to keep an eye out for maybe really late pick. In 14 team leagues, Isaiah McKenzie, someone that I want people to keep an eye out for because they did sign Isaiah McKenzie to a contract extension. So they obviously valued him in Buffalo. So that could be someone in deep, deep, deep leagues that you try and go and target. But uh, as for the two, the two standouts, Gabe Davis, you know, obviously is looking to have a breakout sort of season and the conditions are all there for that, uh, given the nature of what Buffalo possesses. And of course, Stephon Diggs is just he's he's amazing my wide receiver three over Jamar Chase and Devontae Adams. Uh, best of the rest outside of Cooper Cup and Justin, Jeff- uh, Justin Jefferson. Uh, g- yeah, give me, give me as many shares of digs as I possibly can have. Uh, I think if you're taking running back at the back end of round one 
and then coming back around, you're looking at Stephon Diggs as someone to start your receiving core around. I think it's excellent. Yep. That's nice. Uh, tight ends. I think, did I make a bull prediction? Mm. No, it was a sleep. We were talking about like sleepers and underrated players. And I definitely said OJ Howard for one of them at tight end. You might have, you might have. Yeah. He's uh, my, tight, my tight end 32 and he's going to, he's going to cut into Dawson Knox. I want nothing to do with Dawson Knox, my tight end 13. I want nothing to do with that. And the thing is, OJ Howard, you know, the thing with him and the same with a lot of tight ends uh, outside of the cream of the crop, the upper echelon is injuries. Yep. And uh, if OJ Howard stays healthy for a full 17 games, this could be a real breakout for him. I don't know about a breakout just because Dawson Knox is still going to be there, but he could definitely be a contributing factor for sure. But if the Bills thought so highly of Dawson Knox, then why did they bring in OJ Howard? Same thing with John Smith and Hunter Henry. Why did the Patriots bring in Hunter Henry when they felt so highly enough to give John Smith a four-year gazillion-dollar deal? Well, it's different because they were signed at the same time, and they were on equal f- – I guess they were kind of on equal footing at that it's just, point. It's bringing in more options for Josh Allen. It's bringing in more options, giving them someone else, another big-bodied vertical threat that can, that can go down that can go downfield. It's really what it's about. Yeah, but I feel like they might have seen the draw, that Dawson Knox was kind of like a – I won't say he's a, a flash in the pan, but, like, he could be. He very well could be. Well, he could you be figure, like a, you figure that Cole Beasley's not, not there anymore. Emmanuel Sanders is not there anymore. They bring in Jameson Crowder that fills in one of those, those two uh, open spots, and they now bring in O.J. Howard. Where if you know say say Jamison Crowder doesn't last the entire season, Isaiah McKenzie now gets a spot, but then OJ Howard then has an opportunity to to get a get a little bit of a run. But Dawson Knox is going to be is going to be the number one tight end in this offense. I'm not worried uh, about that about his role being challenged by OJ Howard. I'm just worried about his targets being impacted by OJ Howard. When you have Stephon Diggs, who let's just see how many targets I have projected. For Stefan Diggs, I have Diggs down four. I have Diggs down for 126 targets. Wow. And it, and it comes down with 100, 103. So there you go. That's I love impressive. Diggs. I love Diggs. I want as much of Diggs as I can possibly have. So, yeah, that's that's it for the East. Yep. Very exciting stuff. Well, so uh, exciting stuff letting, heading into the Souths. Talking about uh, Bird and Jake talked about the AFC and NFC South. So that's going to be fun. Yep. And You'll then that on Sunday. We're going to be going back with, uh, are we starting with the Norths or the Wests? So we're going to do the West, you and I, and then Jake and I are going to do the North. Interesting. Yep. The sooner I have to stop. The North. The the sooner I have to stop, I get to stop pluralizing cardinal directions is the the better because I hate doing this. Yep. We'll be doing, we'll be doing the AFC, NFC West uh, next week. And then uh, later in the week, we will be doing the AFC, NFC South or North, 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 for the North, for the North. We the North. We the North. Yes. As 
fans of the Raptors say, we the North. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basic Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes of your podcast. For my co-host, Zipper Salt, I am Adam Pastor, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.